0: Now, Kramer says,
1: "Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Kramer. This is the Kramer Says podcast, and it is Wednesday, March 22nd. Another day of being let down. You thought it was all going to happen with Trump today, didn't you? A lot of people did. If you've, if you've listened to what I've been saying, um, this is a big game by by the Democrats. Um, they're, they're they're playing this." This game of chicken with Trump and with Trump supporters and so on—they're wanting something to happen. That's the—that's the only thing that makes sense. And the question you've got to ask yourself is: Will brag, ba- uh, will brag, back down? That's a hard one to say. Will brag back down? Will it happen? Will we get what we want? Will we—will we get these Democrats to understand that? They can only push for so long. There can only be so much corruption before finally the people say there's a breaking point. When the judiciary in this country begins doing what they do in South America and in the corrupt nations of this planet, for example, Ukraine, when we start replacing people and going after people, remember what they said about Trump in 2016 when he said that he would send Hillary to prison if he was in charge Remember what happened? Did he, did he send the goons after her? He did not. Did they come banging down her door, breaking into her home, looking through her underwear drawer? God forbid. I, Sorry I put that image in your head. <laughs> but what happens next? Well, I can tell you what happens next. The Dems are going to scramble. The Dems are going to scramble because they've gotten themselves into a corner. They, they, they've been talking a lot of shit over the last few weeks here. Uh, And they do not have, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, they don't have a definitive solution as to how they're going to solve the problem in front of them, of being able to justify what we saw happen throughout the summer of 2020, well, the summer of 19, the summer of 18, the burning and the looting and and all the crimes that were done, they're going to have a hard time squaring those edges when it comes, or rounding those edges rather, When it comes to them releasing Antifa and Black Lives Matter again, because now violence equates, our language equates to violence. That's what we heard this last week from rhinos, from rhinos and dims alike. Don't go into the street to protest. That's the same as violence. Isn't that what we've been told? It's what I've been hearing. Don't go exercise your First Amendment rights because you may get in trouble with the government. Don't go into the streets like the left does. Don't go do that. No, you stay exactly where you are. Don't raise your voice. And there's far too many of those on the right that have the, are under this belief that there's somebody out there working to save them. I can guarantee you there is not. If you think that someone is working day and night to make sure that you have a a better life tomorrow, they don't get up with that intention. They they, they get up thinking of what's best for them. And maybe at some point in the day, you will roll roll into or or roll across their mind, especially if you're a stranger. It's bad enough if you're a loved one. If you're a stranger, I can guarantee you they're not thinking about you. In uh, late-day information, Mike Davis made an appearance on um, The War Room with uh, Steve Bannon and uh, broke some interesting information that that I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes. I'm not going to comment on it. I I just want you to listen as to what we were just told, the information that has just come out of judges who forced Trump's lawyers to hand over private conversations, private documents between Trump and his attorney. That's attorney-client privilege. And as this judge exited, as the judge decided that they're going to retire on the way out the door, they handed that information over to the prosecution, those going after Trump. Confidential documents that were meant for the judge's eyes only now in the hands of this, this prosecutor,
2: take a listen. Jack Smith case. She was also the the judge who supervised the Russian collusion investigation, the hoax, Uh, had this highly unusual order where she ordered Trump's lawyer to hand over his attorney notes to President Trump. And on her last day on the job on Friday as chief judge, she handed over these notes to Jack Smith without giving President Trump the opportunity to appeal to the D.C. Circuit. It is. Really, really, really unusual what she did here. Uh, it raises some great suspicions about what's going on here. So then, these three Democrat-appointed judges on the D.C. Circuit set this extraordinary, maybe unprecedented, uh, 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 briefing schedule for the appellate arguments that—I uh, <laughs> mean, it's, it's insane. We had a midnight and 6 a.m filing deadline today and the, the D.C. Circuit rushed to rule against President Trump today. I think they were trying to white, whitewash uh, outgoing Chief Judge Berylhouse Barrow- clear legal air by handing over these legal notes. But there was no there was no need for them to rush. And you have to ask, why are they rushing? Why are they doing this, this highly unprecedented, unusual procedural posture, This this highly rushed appellate process the same week that the the Manhattan D.A. is looking to indict President Trump. This is—this all looks and smells very badly.
3: It's—it's no doubt it's coordinated, right? The the stuff doesn't—these things don't happen randomly. They're all lathered up. I mean, they're foaming white around the mouth. They're foaming, you know, it's insane. That's all they talk about. They never talk about Moscow and Beijing. Never talk about the economy. Never talk about the biggest bank failures in American history, the, the number two and number three. Never talk about the economy I'm, imploding. I'm, never talk about I'm, any of it. All you get all you get is I brag, brag, Letitia James, brag, Letitia James. And then all of a sudden, whoa, full stop, uh, not having stop. today, not having tomorrow. And And you have this... This over the overnight, you know, they're doing all this. I don't even know what they're doing. Jujitsu in the federal court here. It's got to be coordinated. The federal court guy is saying, "Hey, you got to hold up. We got we're going to charge him first with a real, you know, a real made up charge, versus a a, a state or, or a, a a borough made up charge in New York." Am I am I overthinking this, brother?
2: I have to be careful what I say as an attorney. But I will say that the appearance here looks very, very bad, very bad for these four Democrat appointed judges, uh, federal judges in D.C., the D.C. District Court, outgoing Chief Judge Beryl Howe, and the three Democrat judges on the D.C. Circuit. This is not normal, what they're doing here. This is highly, highly unusual, I think, unprecedented. I can't think of A case that's been handled like this, and the timing of this is so bad. So at least the appearance here looks very, very bad for these federal judges. And I'm hoping that the Chief Justice, John Roberts, who supervises the D.C. Circuit, uh, may take a look at this, because this is a very bad look for the federal judiciary. It looks very political. It looks coordinated. I can't say that it is. It certainly looks coordinated. The timing is just the most uh, bizarre coincidence that we have ever seen in American history.
3: Okay, last thing, is is what happened this morning, is that gonna go, does Trump have the option of taking that to the Supreme Court for a ruling or at least to, to whatever the justice that oversees this district, is that, is that a possibility?
2: The circuit justice for the DC circuit is the chief justice. Uh, you could get uh, you could get a ruling from the chief justice on this. Usually when you do an emergency appeal to the Supreme Court on the, the emergency docket, whoever the circuit justice is for that circuit refers it to the full court. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet that the that the Supreme Court's going to step in here because uh it it has been reluctant to step in on these Trump cases before. I I I think this what what the Biden Justice Department and these Democrat DAs these George Soros funded DAs around the country are doing is very 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 damaging to our country. And they are pol- these are politicized and weaponized cases. Yeah. Your case I don't is think la- they
3: I don't think they care they yeah, want to I, rule the ashes they'll they'll rule the ashes they don't care they don't care if the country burns down they just don't care you can tell they don't care anymore the old game book the old playbooks thrown throw it out their new playbook if they get if if it's got if they got to rule over the ashes they'll rule over the ashes let me yeah, let me ask you are, what can be done in congress what can be done in the house i noticed you've eased up on jim jordan a little bit over the last couple of days him and comer what can the can the, can the judiciary committee step in immediately and, and get get jack smith and uh, Garland and let's keelhaul him publicly? Can we do
2: that? I've always been a fan of Comer. I, I gave credit where credit's due to Jim Jordan for a, a couple good moves that he's made. I, I do praise him. He's having the Judiciary Committee, along with other committees send a letter and demanding some testimony here from the Manhattan DA. The special counsel is certainly subject to congressional oversight, as is Attorney General Merrick Garland. And if there is obvious evidence that uh, uh, an investigation has been politicized or weaponized, Congress has an oversight responsibility. You have to be careful that you're not overstepping and look like you're interfering with an ongoing investigation. But this is highly unusual. We've talked about this since June. President Trump had the legal right under the Presidential Records Act to have his presidential records classified or not in the Office of Former President in Mar-a-Lago. They were guarded by the Secret Service. President President Trump uh, and his staff had security clearances. They had skiffs or Secure Compartment Information Facilities. These Office of Former Presidents are federally funded. He had the right to have these. And so I, I—the question I've had since day one, there was an Office of Legal counsel opinion, a binding opinion on the Justice Department that says that, General, you can't obstruct investigations into non-crimes. If it's not a crime for President Trump to have these records in Mar-a-Lago, it clearly isn't because he's allowed to have them under the Presidential Records Act, how is it legally possible under this OLC memo during the Mueller probe to obstruct any investigation into this non-crime? It was a bogus investigation by Merrick Garland to get Trump. Notice how, notice the treatment between Trump, where they sent in the FBI home raid, the unprecedented home raid to go get documents and force lawyers to sign affidavits and just chaos and pandemonium, versus the Biden the Biden Justice Department, Attorney General Merrick Garland, covering up for then—for for vice president—then vice president Joe Biden's illegally stealing President Obama's classified records, having them in several different locations, clearly illegal, clearly a violation of the Espionage Act, clearly unguarded, Uh, there's evidence that those classified records could have been used for Hunter Biden's work in China and Ukraine. And the Biden Justice Department covers this up while they try to put Trump and his lawyers in an obstruction of justice trap. This stinks to high hell. And I hope that congressional Republicans keep pushing very hard on this politicized and weaponized Justice Department, the double standard here. Because-
1: I, can't, I, I, I can't agree more. That's Mike Davis, founder and president of Article 3 Project. Um, folks, our, our nation is on fire. If, if you listen to what he's saying, what he's telling us is, is that the judicial system is working in conjunction with people outside the system, In the attempt to prosecute, the enemies are those who might stand up against them. Those that might have a voice against them. But it gets worse. It's not getting better. As I've been telling you for a while, they've been lying so long, they now believe their own lies. It's interesting today, I watched the Fauci, the the Anthony Fauci documentary on PBS. What a piece of trash. And I'm not talking about the documentary, it's... Rather well done. I'm talking about Anthony Fauci. The man is a narcissist. He has built idols to himself in his home and in his office. Go take a look at it. It was refreshing to see those that would talk back to him. Nobody else will because he controlled billions. He bragged about himself the entire time. That if there was going to be a dangerous disease, it's best that it happened in his lifetime. That's good for him. Go watch the documentary. But that's that's not why we're in trouble. Why we're in trouble. Is our economy is tanking? I know you're hearing good things about it. They're continuing to lie to you. Um, let me be really clear: the people who lied to you about COVID, about masks, uh, about the efficacy of these drugs that they had for you, those same those same people, they're now lying to you about the economy. We're not we're not headed into a recession. Well, how do you know? Well, because we changed the definition of the word. We can't be in a recession. We changed the definition, just like well, sure that's a vaccine, because we changed the definition. It wasn't in 2019, but in 2021. Well, if we don't like what's going on, we just we just change the definition. This next video I want to show you is about 10 minutes long. Take take a take a look at it. Take a look and see if you can realize. By what Ray Dalio is saying here, if you don't know who he is, he's um, one of the largest hedge fund owners, CEOs in the country. Uh, when he speaks about the future, people listen. If you haven't seen his series on preparing for the changing world order, you're doing yourself a disservice. You can find it on um, you can find it on YouTube, Rumble, and so on. Go take a look at it. It's it's worth the while because it shows you what we're going through from an economic stage. This is our second part of the country that's on fire, the, the part that they're not talking about that much, the part that you're seeing the remnants of, you're seeing banks fail, you're seeing people lose their homes, you're seeing businesses close, you're seeing uh, these tech firms lay off people and they, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. There's nothing to worry about there, folks. That's it, normal. That's completely normal. It's not normal when you're saying that the economy is doing great when it's not. The secure, the I'm sorry, the secured, the unsecured debt in this country has never been at a higher pace and people are losing their jobs incapable of paying incapable of paying for rent their car payment let alone their college loans because they couldn't afford the $1000 car payment that they had to get during the pandemic and their job hasn't picked up and they're not making as much as they were in 2019 2020 2021 inflation's biting them everywhere And so what are they doing? Well, finally, they're doing what they should have done a year ago. They've slowed their spending. They're not spending as much. And now it's starting to make an impact into our economy. And now we have what we call a cascade event. This little store goes out of business. That puts five people out of business in that community. They don't go shop at Walmart. The next week, it's 25. The next week, it's 250. It becomes exponential where one neighbor cannot buy the goods and services of the next neighbor. That's what Ray Dahlia is talking about in this video. Take a listen because it's worthwhile to understand exactly where we are from the experts, the people who have been successful through good times and bad. You want to listen to those people because they just want to be successful. They, they don't have an ideology here. This is Ray Dahlia talking about what's coming next.
4: The biggest issue is that there's more spending than we have income and that's a problem. So then the question is, where are you gonna get the money from?
5: Ray Dalio is probably the world's most well-known macroeconomic investor, having started Bridgewater Associates in 1975 and over time building it into the world's largest hedge fund. Yeah, when Ray Dalio talks, the investing world listens. And recently, Ray appeared for an exclusive 25-minute interview on CNBC where he gave us his updated thoughts on where he thinks the economy stands right now, where we are in the short and long-term debt cycles, as well as where he believes markets are headed across the next few years. So with inflation running hot, interest rates rising, the economy weakening and stock markets falling, let's firstly hear Ray's opinion on exactly where we are along the economic cycle.
4: I mean, these things happen over and over again. We're now in the 12th and a half cycle You know these cycles you know how the cycles work you're 12 and a half cycles since 1945 1945 was the new world order you know new monetary system Uh and you know what happens so let me take you through it quickly you get a funky economy weakness and so on so what we had of course in 2020 with the combination of covid and then also the move from the right to the left there was a distribution of wealth and so how did you do that government had to send out a bunch of checks yep and the federal reserve where did the government get the money from the federal reserve lent it so we have an imbalance and of course that put a lot of money in the system you've got the demand you've got the cycle classic cycle right stimulation credit becomes debt. then you have inflation then you have a tightness monetary policy and so where are we so we now in a classic spot where we've got a relatively high real interest rate. Real interest rates went from minus 175 basis points to plus 175 basis points, right? You've got a cash rate that's relatively high. Cash used to be trash. Now cash is relatively attractive.
5: And if cash is relatively attractive, well, you know the boom times are over. So it's pretty clear, race is well past the top of the short-term debt cycle, and now we're experiencing the contraction. The last 10 years before COVID were obviously a boom time. Interest rates were low, money was cheap to access, and there was a lot of optimism and economic growth. But of course, in 2020, we got a big shock to the economy. America saw internal political conflict a year later and switched political allegiances. The Democrats took power. The Federal Reserve printed a lot of money to combat the economic weakness. This drove growth, increased demand, but also increased inflation. And now we've pushed the good times as far as they can go. We can no longer push the economic stimulus button. So as it goes with all cycles, we now face the contraction.
4: You have the classic movement, of course, as rates go up and money becomes tight, you lose the parts of the economy, the parts of the market that are the bubble parts that needed the cash flow, right? Right. So you see the tech stocks come down, all of that come down. You see private equity, you see venture capital because they needed cash, all of that comes down.
5: So we've hit the top of the short-term cycle where everything gets a bit bubbly, and now we're starting to slide down the other side of the slope. And it does still seem like we're pretty early in the process because, as Ray notes, what we've really seen so far is just the bubble areas truly suffering. The Fed pushed interest rates up and as investors started to feel the pressure, the money came out of all the speculative assets. Cryptocurrency is the classic example. All the speculative tech stocks that weren't producing any cash flow have now crashed. Private equity that's very reliant on debt. Venture capital all of these areas that got a little bit greedy over the past 5 years are now falling away under the pressure of tighter monetary policy. So that's the early stage of the contraction, but as Ray is about to explain, it looks as though things are starting to get a little bit nastier.
4: So you could see which sectors are going down, you could see which stocks are going down, right? You see the tech stocks, you see the you see real estate going down. Um, Residential real estate goes down, and we're having something close to a stag, let's say a stagflation, meaning maybe three and a half. I think you're going to see inflation come down to this, and then, because of the way it's calculated, it will go up a bit. And so you see that kind of an, an environment with something close to maybe a 1% growth rate, something like that, right?
5: Ray trips over his words a little bit here, but essentially what he's seeing happen is a stagflation-type environment. And remember, stagflation is just a combination of economic stagnation and high inflation. It's economic weakness at the same time as high inflation. And usually this doesn't happen because usually inflation comes about as a result of a booming economy. Interest rates are low, unemployment is low, demand is up and business is booming. Workers start wanting more money for the same work and overall inflation starts to rise. That's usually how it goes. But stagflation is an unusual economic scenario where inflation is high in an economy that's struggling and unemployment is rising. This is a particularly painful situation for those controlling monetary policy, as actions to control inflation, like raising interest rates, will only make a bad economic situation worse. And that's what Ray Dalio is anticipating happening in the United States. As he said, he predicts inflation to not quite get back down to where the Fed wants it, maybe down to about 3.5% temporarily, but will then rise. But at the same time, he also sees the economic growth staying quite low, as he said, maybe about 1% annually. So that's Ray's thoughts on the current situation now placed in the short-term debt cycle. But on top of the short-term cycle, we also have a long-term debt cycle that rises and falls about once every 75 years or thereabouts. And while everyone is currently focused on the short-term debt cycle, Ray also cautions that he is seeing problems emerge for that big long-term debt cycle. But what's
4: also happening in that cycle as since 1945 is that we then have the accumulation of a lot of debt and money. Okay, so we deal with things like the debt ceiling. Does right. the debt ceiling matter? Does it matter how much debt we have? And then you have a situation where there's used to be a free market supply-demand, but now you've got the Federal Reserve who is now taking it, buying it on the balance sheet, so it's not the supply-demand. So you've got that dynamic very, very classically going. I don't think... People are paying enough attention to the big cycle. There are these short-term cycles. Since World War II, they've averaged about seven, six or seven years, plus or minus about three years. That's what we're in a classic one of those, but we keep building up the debt.
5: So as you've probably heard about in the news, alongside short-term problems, the US has also seen a tremendous pileup of its national debt. Due to the economic chaos of the pandemic, and more specifically, the lockdowns that stopped people from working, the US government had to very quickly inject a lot of money into the economy to ensure people still had money. This, of course, came in the form of stimulus checks, but it also came in the form of major growth investment, like infrastructure projects, to create jobs. But how did the government get all this money? Well, they went further and further into debt by selling fresh government bonds to the Fed, who printed about $4 trillion of, some might say, new money, which then triggered the massive inflation we're seeing today. But the thing is, because the US is still spending more than it earns, and because the debt ceiling is already being hit, so they can't add fresh debt to replace the old due debt, there is now a non-zero possibility that they might default on their debt, which would trigger the downslope of the long-term debt cycle. The US also faces the problem of reduced demand for their freshly printed bonds internationally, which also adds to the issue. Long story short, while there's no crisis yet, some wheels are in motion that can trigger the downslope of that long-term debt cycle. So how does Ray see this predicament?
4: But I think that this type of recession is not a bad recession. It's a lot less bad than I thought it would be because of the fact of how it's distributing and, and, and shrinking that credit. At the same time, though, we have a real issue for the United States debt in the world because we're selling all this debt you know, if you look at wealth instead of GDP, wealth is a much better indicator of things. GDP is like looking at revenue. on How much did you sell? We have borrowed a lot of money, OK? And now we're having a problem selling that money around the world. And it's also happening that uh, this political situation, geopolitical situation, is weakening the demand for US bonds.
5: I find it interesting that Ray is definitely surprised that the recession hasn't quite been as bad as what he thought it was going to be. But as we were discussing before, you can hear in his voice that some of these issues around the US national debt, the current deficit, the debt ceiling, and the weakening demand for US bonds really do have him concerned for the future.
4: I think the big, the biggest issue is that there's more spending, and I would say there probably needs to be more spending, than we have income. And that's a problem, right? Um, governments run the same as your household or um, a business, in that uh, with two exceptions. They can print money and they can tax, right? So then, when you spend more than you earn, the question is—and they're going to spend more than they're going to earn—where uh, are you going to get the money from? Are you going to get it from taxes? And if you get it from taxes, people fight because they don't want to give up their money. Or are you going to get it from printing the money? And so how do you achieve that balance? Because it's, do you spend less? Right. Well, it's a tough environment to spend less. You have to spend more on, de- on defense. You have to spend more on rebuilding. The green initiative is expensive. I mean, we could education is expensive and so on. So there's a dilemma that she is sitting in that we or we as a country are sitting in so um you know th- how do you solve that problem i think that um you know if you were to uh, let's say take the bigger picture there's a lot of things that you can invest in invest in that will produce returns and i think uh, uh, for example i don't think we invest nearly as much in in the basic things like great education and making sure that certain areas that right. do not have conditions that are substandard conditions and right. so to, to invest in those things that are going to produce productivity, e- education is a good thing, infrastructure is a good thing, other, right. other things but it's a it, it, this is part of a cycle, a big cycle that has happened over and over and over again.
5: Unfortunately the interviewer cuts Ray off at this point but he's absolutely right. People like to throw stones and blame everything and everyone else around them but at the end of the day the problem the US faces is that it spends more than it earns. And in Ray's opinion, there's not enough spending going towards fundamentally improving productivity, such as investment in education and infrastructure, which helps close that deficit and reverse it in the long run. And this is very much the subject of Ray's two big YouTube videos, which I'll leave linked down in the description if you'd like to learn more. But long story short, earning less than you spend is always a problem because it means that you have to keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing until you get to where we are today, where debts are astronomical and become unmanageable.
1: Yep, there we go. That's my point exactly. That's your point exactly. That's basic economics. What this kid is telling us is absolutely true. He did a great job with this story. We appreciate him um, sending it off to us. If you expect things are going to get better in this country, by listening to the people, by listening to the people who got us here, if you think that it's going to get any better by taking their advice and following them down the primrose path, you're sadly mistaken because they're just trying to cover their asses. They don't care about you. They don't care about the future. They don't care about anything else. All they want to do is make sure that they don't get caught up in it, that they don't lose anything in it. So they're scrambling, and it's, it's always someone else's fault. The best way to get information about what we talk about on this show is to get to the internet and do your own research. Don't just take my word for it. Get out there, but don't Google it. Don't Bing it. Don't Yahoo. It. What you got to do is Tusk. it. Have you ever heard of Tusk? Tusk is the web browser built by conservatives for conservatives. You can actually invest in it. If you go to wefunder.com forward slash Tusk, they're giving you the ability to get in on the ground floor of what's going on. But here's what Tusk, how Tusk is different. Um, First of all, they let you bring your news in the way that you want to do it. You want to see more conservative news? Well, there's a button on there that lets you, I want to see more conservative news. You want to see more liberal content? You can do the same thing. You want, you're you a centrist? You want to see stuff right down the middle? You can choose that and, and get all of that information right to you. Now, here's the thing that Tusk is doing that nobody else is doing. Yes, there are other web browsers out there, and they're promising a lot. The problem is, is they don't they don't own the content that they're feeding you. They're getting it from Google. Yahoo or Bing. That's it. There's only so many search engines on the planet. That's why Tusk is building the first conservative free speech search engine. If you want to know more about it, get over to tuskbrowser.com and check them out. Welcome back. You are watching or listening to the Kramer says live podcast where uh, we started doing this a couple of weeks ago, where every night at uh, every weekday night at 10 p.m. We're going to go live and give you guys the opportunity to to make your voice heard. You can call in right now. The number to call is 877-619-3899. That's 877-619-3899. And it's time that us Americans start wrapping our heads around the fact that um, what we had in 2019 was pretty fucking sweet. And it's going to take a lot more than doing podcasts and uh, spreading viral videos and doing hashtags to get our nation back. You can see what we're under. We We have an administration in place currently that wants to destroy Trump. And Trump was right. He's not coming after. They're not coming after Trump. They're coming after us. If they can do this to Trump, they won't have any problem doing it to us. You're live on Kramer Says. What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? I don't have it plugged in. Give me a second here. I. You would think I'd have this all together, but I was charging my phone to the very last minute here. Okay. I'm sorry. What was your name and where are you calling from?
0: I'm Marco from Pennsylvania. What What's what's on your mind tonight? Well, first of all, I'm in the land of Fetterman, and it really blows my mind how, how the hell he got in office.
1: <laughs> well, we know how he got in office, right?
0: Yeah, we do. And has anybody seen him or is he still in the hospital?
1: Who knows? He's a ghost. He's Casper. You don't have to show up. You don't have to give any answers. They're the the party in power right now. So it is what they are. I mean, here's the thing. Do you think do you think that we can do another three or four or five or six or seven or eight years of this bullshit? Fuck no. And why not?
0: Absolutely not. Because this country right now, under the Biden administration and the Democratic leadership, is going down the toilet. Well, how's in it? In six, seven, eight years, in six or seven, eight years, we're not going to have an America as we know it.
1: So, what's the solution? I mean,
0: it's...
1: We can bitch all day. It's we can Democrats complain are... all. We can complain and we can bitch and we can moan and groan all day. But what's the solution?
0: The people need to stand up and let their voices be heard, and they need to keep going and get the Democrats out of power, and put people in power that will actually do what the hell they're supposed to do and listen to the people and not listen to. The money, the people who are doling out the money and, every, you know, the shit like that. It, it's just getting ridiculous. It really is, Kramer.
1: Well, it, it is, but but standing up, didn't we stand up on uh, January 6th? How'd that go?
0: We, it, it was a shit show. Mm-hmm. And all because, all because of the government. The FBI was involved. And there's no doubt in my mind. People say, no, they weren't. The government can say, no, they weren't. Bullshit.
1: I was. ten
0: percent the FBI was there, well, and they it, were involved in inciting it.
1: The mere fact that the, the FBI uh, in front of Congress said that they they couldn't say one way or the other tells me that, well, if you can't say one way or the other, I'm going to assume that you were there. Because if you weren't, Absolutely. you would just say we weren't there. That's all you—well, we're not going to do you know our methodologies and all that kind of stuff. Well, either you were or you weren't. Either you were there in, a, in an official capacity or you weren't. Which one was it? And when they won't give you the answer, you know that you're li- your government's lying to you. The problem is, and this is what I keep saying, this is what I keep saying. Um, It's my opinion that the American people are going to have to stand up way prior to 2024. We cannot wait until 2024 and put our votes back into the hands of people that treated them like they did in 2020 and 2022. So, again, I ask you, knowing what happened in 2020 and what we've seen happen in 2022, where there's no transparency in the system anymore, what do we do to solve it? You know, you know the solution. I know the solution. Nobody wants to say it out loud. We should we start talking very closely, and I'll, and I'll let you speak up. This is my opinion. But we should really start talking about revolution in this nation Absolutely. in a serious manner. Why? Because our politicians need to know that we're serious and that we're done playing this game that we are a nation of the people, by the people, for the people, it doesn't member. It doesn't mention Congress or the politicians or any of that. It's we the people. What's your thoughts on that avenue?
0: Absolutely. It's we the people. The, co- the Constitution is there for us to protect us and for us to keep the government in check. And the government is out of fucking hands.
1: Well, in addition to that, the mainstream media is supposed to be our ally in this, right? They're supposed to be our voice. They're supposed to be, to be the voice of the vo- voiceless, and they've joined the ranks of, of of both sides of the aisle. It doesn't matter, and it's not really both sides of the aisle anymore. It, it, it's this beast that is, is is the the government that is. And I, I I talked the other day about you know well if there are protests at at Trump's deal and people are going oh no no don't no, don't don't go do that don't, don't 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 go don't don't go protest they'll use it against us. Listen, it's my opinion, Marco, that if if you fear exercising your constitutional right because your government may use it against you. That's when you should exercise your constitutional right, even in your sleep. Am I wrong?
0: No, you're not wrong by any means.
1: So what are your neighbors and friends saying? What are they saying about what's going on? What are they talking about? Is the conversation similar or are they, um,
0: it's, it's very similar. A lot of, you know, I'd say 90% of my friends, um, are very pissed off about everything. They, We need our country back. I know my boss, the owner of my company, he says the same thing day in and day out. He's a 100 percent Trump supporter. Um, It's just our government has gotten out of hand, and we need to take our country back. And you're absolutely right. There needs to be a revolution. None of this protest here bullshit protest there. It needs to be synchronized across the nation. Everybody, whether you call your senator or call your governor, go out and protest. You know, go door to door, ask people for their support, do what you can. Right. We cannot sit down and let these cretins take over, You know, keep doing what they're doing.
1: Well, because they've we already, to- Marco, they've already told us what they're going to do, right? They've laid it out exactly what their plan is. They're not, they're not shy about telling us what they're going to do next and, and how what they're going to do to the, to the American people. I, I think that people are got to wrap their head around the fact that that book, The Great Reset, that wasn't some suggestions. That's their plan
0: it is it's a
1: plan book and they're actually ex- they're, they're exercising that plan they're 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 implementing the plan and when they have a little speed bump then what do they do well they've already war-gamed this they just put a, a series of things in place and all of a sudden you've got how many trial how many cases now against trump trumped up cases oh
0: my god
1: right so do we continue to go down this path people were saying the other day you know and i think this is interesting Look, Trump, Trump, Trump's said protest. That means all of his followers are going to come out, and they're going to cause a problem. And the only problem we've seen is from the leftists showing up dressed up as Trump supporters. Uh, try, and and you, they're tatted up. They've got their Antifa and their anarchist tattoos all over their necks and faces. You can see who they are. They're not Trump supporters. And they're trying to play themselves off as Trump supporters. We see the game now, folks. We're not playing that game anymore. Listen. Marco, I don't know about your position in life and where you are and how old you are and so on. But do you think that there's going to be a call one of these days in this nation when you're going to see a Gettysburg or you're going to see some type of similar type event? Yes. Mm-hmm. I do.
0: And, and it's coming and it's coming soon.
1: I, I think you're right. And and I, I I I don't call for this. I don't I don't want it, but our politicians need to wake the fuck up. Uh yes, they do. In your state, in Pennsylvania, there was a bunch of bullshit that went on with the elections. But let me ask you this. Since all of that's gone down and everything else is, is, has gone on in our country, your local politicians, your legislature, are they vocal of what's going on or are they silent?
0: Have you it's heard from them?
2: 50-50. Okay.
0: It, it, it's, uh, I'll be honest, it's a 50-50. We have our Republican, yeah, our conservative people who... Do voice their opinion and do say what's going on. And then we have our Democratic leadership in this kind of, in this state that stay silent. Well, no, I'm not talking. No, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm talking about your Republican representatives and how vocal they are about what's going on. You see, here's the problem. Uh, I live in Indiana and in Indiana, uh, we're a red state. And so our politicians figure they don't have to do shit because they're in a red state. And so how, how do they work? Well, primarily in the state of Indiana, they work for the Chamber of Commerce. That's really who the Republicans in the state, it turns out, work for, for the most part. How do I know? Well, I worked with them for 15 years inside, deep inside the Republican Party at the, at the, high, at the state level, right? Um, so so here, here's, here's my impression. And this is what I've started demanding of my politicians. When are we going to hear you fighting for us? In your commercials, which they're going to start here shortly. They're going to start saying, if you'll just give me your vote, I'll fight for you. We've had two years now, almost four years of this bullshit, and I haven't heard any of them standing up. There's a handful out of Pennsylvania that I'm aware of, but they were fighting for the election in 2020. Where have their voices gone since? Have they set back down? Are they still being silent? And in Indiana, where are our politicians here? And when are they going to start acting? When are they going to start speaking up closer to the election? Listen, if you don't start being the leaders that we expect you to be, we'll find new fucking leaders. We don't care who you are. We don't care what's beside your name, R or D. This country needs leadership, men and women with backbones, balls, not looking at not looking at uh, uh, polls and not looking at questionnaires to see how they fit in. It's time that the American people wake the fuck up and start demanding leadership of their leaders. That's what they're there for. They're supposed to be taking this heat. Our legislatures at the state level, their duty is to protect us from D.C., not give aid and comfort to the Chamber of Commerce. Not cozy up to the teachers' unions or the labor unions. Their job, their only job, is to protect us from D.C., from the federal government. When they start overreaching, they have not done their jobs. Marco, do you agree with that?
0: 100%.
1: Okay, so then... 100%. When we start talking about revolution, the way that we revolt initially is we go after our leadership and we demand that they start doing their goddamn jobs and standing up. You don't have to go into the streets. Do you do you know what a politician fears more than a, a, a revolution or a revolt or insurrection? Do you know what they fear more than that? Not losing be, their job, losing their job, and not being liked. That's why they're in the position. They either want to be liked or they're narcissist. There's no in between. You, I, I should say, I, I should take that back. There are a few good people that are in there doing the right thing. But again, they are few and in few and far, far in between.
0: Yes, I know of only one in our state, and they're a couple counties over from me. Well, I think we I that think we got continuously.
1: Well, I think we've got a tough road to hoe here, Marco. Until we get this in hand, do you see things changing by keeping the same people in power?
0: No, no, I do not, and. That's one thing I totally agree with. With what Trump has recently said about when he gets back in, as um, putting term limits on Congress and Senate. It'll
3: that never happen.
0: Have been done.
1: It'll never happen. They will never do it.
0: I know. it Won't. They will never it, do it. It needs to be done. It needs to be done. We they won't do have it. These lifetime politicians in there. Yep. And that's one of the main reasons this country's in a position it's in.
1: It's going to have to start happening at the, It's going to have to start happening at the state level. That's where it's going to have to happen first. You're going to have to go have to, to the state legislatures, and you're going to have to demand that they do term limits first. That's what we need to do is start at the state level, because there we can get some control, right? Because as soon as we get the, these, these assholes to stop being able to run for 40 years at the state level, they won't be parking their, their asses up in D.C. for the last 40 years of their life, because that's what they've been doing. They work so so long in the state, and then they move up to the big time in D.C., And that's what we have to stop is the bullshit of them doing it at the local. level. A a mayor should not be in power for 40 years. I don't care how good they are. A mayor shouldn't be in power for 20 or 30 years. I don't care how good they are. Eight to 10 years, that's that's all you need to be there. Eight years. You can do enough damage in eight years. Turn it over to somebody else. I don't care how much you're liked. I don't care. Uh, There's a mayor in Carmel, Indiana that's been there for years. uh, And everybody loved him. Mayor Brainerd. Oh my god, look at all the the wonderful things he's doing until they realized how much he'd put that city in debt. They don't have any real business in Carmel, Indiana. It's residential. So everything comes out of your home tax. They are sucking it up in 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 Carmel because they 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 want all the things that feel nice. And they don't want to take the time of exploring how how much it's going to cost them it was funny when i was running the ray dahlia piece uh earlier and uh the piece before that um we had a ton of people drop in and as soon as it went to the economics people dunked out i don't want to listen to math this is boring i don't, that's why we're in the situation we're in folks it's your fault i've invested wisely i i knew what i was doing Right. So, Marco, when when you look at the economy, does it bore you? Does it is it just oh, I don't want to listen to that shit. I'd rather watch a Cubs game or some, you know, NASCAR race or whatever. Is it is it more like that for you or do you pay attention to what the economy is doing on a daily basis?
0: I pay attention to it. And it scares the shit out of me.
1: Why is that? What do you see happening?
0: We're losing everything. I mean, I make decent money doing my job. I drive truck. Yep. And I have seen personally how bad it has gotten just grocery shopping Yep, and filling my, tr- my truck up to go to and from work. I mean, it's to the point now where people are barely, I mean, literally barely making it day to day. And the economy is just getting worse and worse. And it's all boils down to D.C. And what is the what the government is? doing? Well, it's, it's not just Marco. It's, right not,
1: it's not just D.C. It's your local legislature as well. It's also at your state level. Right. They're, if they were doing their job at the state level, D.C. wouldn't be able to do what they're doing. You realize that, right?
0: Yeah, I do.
1: Yeah, and and, and so I I don't point at D.C. I point at home. You see, I have more impact in Indiana than I do in D.C. I, I know where the governor lives in Indiana. I, I know where a ton of these people live, mainly because I worked with them, But but I know where they live. I know where they go to church. I know where they shop. I know where they go out to eat. So when I run into them, I'm not shy about giving them my opinion on what I think should happen.
0: Be and the squeaky wheel.
1: I am. Be the squeaky wheel. And that's what that's what we as conservatives have not been very good at. We have not been very that good squeaky have. wheels. Um, we don't want to be that person. We don't want to be the Karen. We make fun of Karens.
0: But there comes a point where we have to be, and we're well past that point.
1: Well, and it's not being a Karen anymore. It's being the adult in the situation. listen, we, we got a, we've got a a group of people in this country that want to force our kids, their ideology on our kids, and they they don't understand what the problem is. Listen, your lifestyle has has made it to has made it to where the majority of you will never have children. And that's a personal choice on your part. That's a personal choice. But you do not have the right, because you don't have any children, to indoctrinate anybody else's. You don't have the right to demand that they learn. So You want to you put your shit on kids? Have your own.
0: Exactly. That's
1: where we are in this nation. If people don't start waking up and start talking this way and start raising their voices, and, and not just to the legislature, but to their bosses... And to their employees, and to the people who deliver their food, and to anybody who will fucking listen, we've all got to let people start knowing we're tired of this bullshit. We're tired of being told that we can't have a voice because we voted for somebody that they didn't vote for. We're tired of being told that we can't go into a restaurant because we didn't take a medication that they want us to take. We're tired of being pushed around and being silent. And then as soon as we rear our head one day, January 6th, one day, name the last fucking conservative mob that took over anything. Name it. I can. January 6th, 2021. How? How do I know that? Because I was there. I saw history unfold. Here's what happens. Here's what happens next. They have to shut everything down. We've got them going after Trump on every different angle. They want us to rise up and fight. That's what they want so they can have an excuse. Listen, we don't need an excuse. And they don't need an excuse. They're going to use whatever as an excuse. And so if we don't if we don't wrap our heads around the point that and I, and I said this last night and, I, and and I'll continue to say it because I believe it to the to the core of my being, nobody has changed since eighth grade. nobody you're the same exact person you were in eighth grade. No better, no worse, same Three. person right uh, and the people that were around you in eighth grade, well they haven't changed either. so the bully, well, he's still a bully. And the mean girl is still a mean girl. Right. And and the, the the rude jock is still a rude jock, maybe a little fatter, a little balder at this point.
0: But they're a rude jock. And Their Kids are the same damn way. Right. And so
1: and those things haven't changed, Marco. So what you have to ask yourself, if things haven't changed since eighth grade, then why am I playing by these rules that nobody else is playing by? Why? Why? Why should I worry about breaking the law? Hunter Biden can do it. And the mainstream media covers for him. Democrats cover for him. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with Joe. Okay, we don't know that because you covered up the information. We're trying to find out if it does. Don't you want to know if your president is corrupt? No. No, we want, we don't want to do that because you'll use it against us. So we'd rather bury a story and let a potential pedophile roam the streets than do the right thing and do our jobs. Let me ask you this, Marco. What do you see happening between now and 2024, if things don't get better, if the economy continues to tank, we continue to see this corruption unfold in front of us. Um, when they drop the the Fauci files, which I've heard are, woohoo, it's going to burn the nostril hairs of the Democrats because it's going to burn so, it's going to be so heated. They're going to set their hair on fire because of what's about to come out. What do you think will happen to our nation in the next Year and a half to two years, if we don't get control of our judicial system, the legal system, um, the crime issue, the southern border, fentanyl—I mean, I just one crisis after another. If we don't get these solved in the next couple of years, what do you expect
5: to happen?
0: Honestly, Kramer, I I don't know. I it's bad, but I I can't you know predict the future. I can't say for sure, but it's. It's not good for any of us. The outcome of everything's going on is not going to be good for any of us.
1: There's a, uh, it's there's,
0: not going to be good for our country.
1: I agree with that. There's, there's a new show on Netflix called um, Outlast. Um, and if you haven't seen in it. the late um, 80s, Koresh's teaching ah. evolved. Sorry about that. Um, that's all right. In, in, in this new show, um, I was going to try and bring up a piece of it here. Uh, in this new show, what they what it illustrates um, is what people are willing to do to each other for money, and it's on a small scale. It's not; it's only a million bucks, right? It's not a lot of money. It's a million dollars. M- million dollars used to be a lot of money. It ain't any money anymore. But this new game show, Outlast, what they're doing is is they're um, it's a survival game in Alaska, and they've got uh, teams of four on either side of this river, and the only rules to the game are there are no rules, but you have to be with a team. You can't be alone. You can't survive alone. You have to survive with a team throughout the entire thing. doesn't matter if it's a a two-person team, but you've got to be with somebody else until the end. And it was amazing that when when they realized that there were no rules, they started sabotaging each other's camps. That happened within 14 days when one group of American adults raided the camp of another group of American adults, raised as we've been raised. But they saw an opportunity for a million dollars. They, they were living in the, the, the wild expanses of Alaska, suffering. I mean, it's tough. Right, they're having to catch their own food. They're only they boil their water. All of that on a daily basis, and times are hard. and And they justified that they could go, steal, another camp's um, sleeping gear, sleeping bags. It was going to get down to seventeen below that night. That that's that's threatening someone's life. That that's they're risking their lives at that point to stay warm. The reason I bring that up is because if people in America think that it's going to get any better with the people in charge and they don't fully understand what will happen in the event that we have a national Katrina. Remember when Katrina hit um, New Orleans? How long it took for the federal government to get there? Well, Marco, what if that happens on a a national scale? As my son used to say, we're FKT. We're fucked. (laughs) i mean that's what it comes to doesn't it
0: yeah and that that comes down to okay you're saying on a national scale like katrina imagine if say yellowstone super volcano would blow
1: well i'm not even talking about anything that bad i'm not talking about anything nearly that bad what i'm talking about is i'm talking about the economy crashes when we have a depression in an era when our country has no ability to sell debt, we're fucked. That's all we do: we sell debt. We make other nations rich by buying our debt, and we pay them a huge amount of money to take it. We pay them this interest that we have to kick up every year, actually every day. But that—that—that's what I'm concerned about. I'm—I'm I, not concerned about a nat, natural catastrophe. I'm—I'm I'm concerned about the economy crashing. I'm concerned about these. These chemical companies that continue to catch fire, these fuel companies that continue to catch fire, the food processing plants that continue to catch fire, the stores that are being closed in inner cities. I mean, there's all these issues that are piling up. It is my it's my opinion and I may be wrong here, but it's my opinion that we're already at war. We're already battling Russia. We're already battling China. They're behind enemy lines. They're committing sabotage on our nation. And our nation doesn't want to let the rest of us know what's going on, so they keep us in the dark through the mainstream media. Sounds like something that somebody who wears a tinfoil hat would say. And I would have said, if I'd said this four or five years ago, I was insane. But based on what my nation has done to me over the last three to four years, this is the way I think now. What's most likely to happen? Is it
3: possible oh, that we're at war there's... right
0: now? Yeah. And, for instance, look at what happened between you and me in Ohio a month ago. Yep. That – right there, I mean, that was a horrible, horrible thing. And the fact that our asshole president, Popcorn, <laughs> did not go there. Yep. It it blows my mind. And then back to something you said a little bit earlier on the phone with me about mayors, how much damage they can do in eight years. Yep. Take a look at Chicago, what that racist bitch did in four. Yep. Lightfoot, single-handedly, broke Chicago. I mean, Chicago wasn't the greatest to begin with. Well, I felt safe there, though.
1: I felt safe there. My wife and I, and, and uh, it's been an annual event or every every other year. Um, my wife and her best friend and I, we've all gone to Chicago uh, the week before Christmas to go sh- Christmas shopping uh, uh, during uh, along the Miracle Mile, whatever that's called. Um been doing it for years. We're, we're not going up there anymore. It's it's not safe, especially with you know two sixty year old women. I, I'm not going to be responsible for two sixty year old women downtown Chicago. No, we'll we'll go someplace else that's safe. We'll go to Cincinnati. We'll go to Louisville. We'll we'll find someplace else that's safe. And that's what these people don't understand. You know, when when they when they allow the criminals back on the street again and again and again, they don't realize that it, it, it has a price for those of us who actually pay the bills, those of us who actually work, those who have, of us who actually show up. Marco, thanks for calling into the show tonight. Call back at any time. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, let me uh, let me play this again. If you haven't joined uh, the, the Tusk Nation of their new browser, uh, I would ask you that you go do that. Uh, go to tuskbrowser.com. Get yourself a version of this. Uh, is it the best browser on the face of the earth? No. No, it's not. Uh, but it is built by conservatives for conservatives. Is it everything that you'll want it to be? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. But they're working on that. You see, it takes you being there, utilizing their service to be able to grow this product. And the browser is just the first step because the, the complaint is, well, they're still using Google. They're still using Bing. Yeah, they are. They're, they're, they're going in and they're taking the data from there and they're paying those outlets to be able to strip the markers that are on there so they can feed you the information that you actually want. Stripped of all the bullshit that they do to it, that Google and the others do to it, you get what you want. You can go on there. I want leftist news. You can get leftist news. You want conservative news. You can get conservative news. You want news right down the center. You can get that as well. Get yourself the Tusk Browser today, built by conservatives for conservatives at TuskBrowser.com. The Kramer says podcast. We're gonna do this every weekday night at 10 p.m. We hope you join us. Um, it's gonna be a mix of kind of what we've done tonight. Uh, we've got some guests coming up in the next couple of weeks that we'll have on for conversation where you'll be able to join and ask them questions as well. Um, and we're not playing around with little guests on TikTok and so on, though there will be some friends of mine that show up from time to time, those that you know, uh whose opinions that I count on. Um, but we've got other bigger names, bigger fish to fry, people who you really want to hear from on the national stage. We're super excited to be doing this. And so next week and the following week, some big names, I can't say them now because they're not confirmed, but once they are, we'll let you know across social media. Thanks so much for showing up tonight. My name is Kramer. This is the Kramer Says Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow night or as soon as we
0: can. Get more at KramerSays.com. Kramer, S E Z